podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to another Spurs show and a very special Spurs show in this case because this is a Spurs show about a book. This this fantastic new book that's just come out called The Spurs Shirt. It's the official history of the Tottenham Hotspur jersey. And I'm delighted to say that I've got three of the men responsible for this book sitting with me here to tell me all about it. I've got Simon Shakeshaft here. I know you're not very often called that shaky because you are known by known to most people as shaky. Welcome. Good evening. I'm reliably informed that you are one of the country, perhaps the foremost expert on match worn shirts. What do you think of that? I suppose Toby told you that to the Vision Sport. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a speciality of yours, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. sadly. For a lot of people would think that's rather strange. But okay, yeah. no, not really. Do you know, actually, I did some films for the uh, 125th anniversary of Tottenham Hotspur, and we did a whole chapter on the Spurs show, and there was a guy called Jeff Mace. you ever come across him? Yeah, Journalist. I do know of Jeff, he was, yeah. he was also, so you're not the only one no. obsessed with, with, uh, well, with shirts. Darren Burney's here, also worked on the book. How are you, Darren? I'm very well, thank you. I've certainly, I'm sure I've met you before. <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> So you worked on the book, and of course Adam Powley, who is well known to all readers of Tottenham Books, The Length and Breadth of the Land, is here, and you also contributed to this book, Adam. I did indeed, yeah, under Simon and uh, uh, Darren's expert eye and tutelage, I um, helped contribute to the book. Right. So first of all, how did this book come about? About two and a half years ago, um, I was discussing with um, Neville Evans, and Simon about um, doing a Spurs shirt book. Um, but we wanted to do something of a, a fantastic quality, something to really set the, um, to raise the bar. Mm-hmm. And we decided to speak to VSP publishers who were producing some books, official books for Tottenham. And um, Neville and I and Simon got together and we decided to, uh, to really do something special. Yeah, I mean, I should say, VSP uh, did the, along with Adam, did the incredible book, The Lane, which actually won Sports Book of the Year, which was the Illustrated Sports Book of the Year last year, didn't it? 2017. Mm-hmm. So the, and I'm looking at this book now, this Spurs shirt book, and it's of a similar, it's a similar book. It's a, it's a big book. It's got incredible, beautiful production value, lovely, lovely photographs in there. And it's also very, very comprehensive. You feel like as you go through it, beautifully laid out and art directed, you feel like you're getting every... Are you getting more or less every shirt from history here, Shaky? I mean, everything. that's what I'm seeing in terms of the pictures and the stories. Well, everything post-war. I think there's a complete run of home shirts since 1961, FA Cup final. Right. And there's a virtually unbroken a run of away shirts since 1971. Wow. And these shirts are... I mean, you look at them and you can tell from looking at them, but they've all been beautifully photographed against black. And they are match-worn shirts. That's the crucial thing to say, isn't it? They're not out of a bag, and they're certainly not replicas. They're the real deal, right? The real deal, yeah. Um, there's obviously a, a growing market in, in collectability of match-worn shirts. It's a big boom in shirts in general at the yeah. moment. There's a big boom. And obviously the match-worn shirts are kind of the pinnacle of, of shirt collecting. Um, especially when you see the eye-washing amounts that some people pay for them. Well, how much uh, do they go up to? Well, 
as an example, we've got in the book the most expensive shirt, Spurs shirt that was ever sold at auction. And that was Bill Brown's 1962 FA Cup final goalkeeper shirt. And it went for £12,000 hammer price at wow. auction um, last year. Mm-hmm. And so what they, about non-Spurs? What, how, how, how big can they get to? Presumably a World Cup winning shirt. Like Marid- if you could get Maradona's shirt from 86, say, or... Well, um, the, the most expensive football shirt ever sold yeah. at auction is at auction in the UK was Pele's 1970 wow. FA yeah. uh, World Cup final shirt, yeah. which went for 157000 And then Jeff Hurst's 66 yeah. World Cup final shirt um, went for ninety three or 91000 That was 15, 18 years ago. And um, it's since subsequently sold privately for £300,000. Wow. Okay, bloody hell. So wh- how did you set about getting such a comprehensive collection here for this book? I mean, do you, you're a collector yourself. I am. So you already had some of these? I didn't have any Spurs shirts. Okay. As a Welshman, a yeah. Hereford fan, yeah. as you know, yeah. I've got a Hereford collection. Collection, right. And, or Hereford United collection, because yeah. um, obviously they the, the club folded four years ago, But mm. um, and also a collection of Wales shirts. But okay. the um, which I do get a bit of stick about off Darren, of course. So the main contributors for the shirts in yeah. the book have come from Darren Burney's collection and Neville Evans's collection, who are both big, big Spurs fans, as you know. And um, their collections are just frightening. They really are wonderful collections to when, look at. When did you start collecting Spurs shirts, Darren? About ten years ago. Right. Before. And what made you start a collection? What makes you ten years ago? Because you well, were already at... You know, you've been a supporter for a long time. Well, I was collecting Spurs memorabilia. My main focus was programmes. Right. And um, because of the scarcity of the remaining few programmes I need, I'd, I'd go from year to year without finding anything, and I became a bit bored. And about ten years ago, I went to an auction. Um, actually, it was the, f- the first shirt, sorry, was much longer. That was 1994. I went to an auction at Christie's, and I ended up buying the Graham Roberts UEFA Cup shirt and the medal and that was the only shirt that I had until about 10 years ago when I thought I'll start to collect um, the shirts which was a bit more accessible and um, that was how I got into shirts. And when you buy them is there some sort of certification system to to, you know how how can you verify that they are the actual match worn shirts? I I go to Shaky. (laughs) Shaky knows. There's there's ways to identify match-worn shirts, mm. especially the older ones. There, There's a, a lot of differences. And you've got to remember some of the shirts in the book, there wasn't even a replica kit market at the time, so you didn't have to worry about um, the, the, anything that wasn't Because they weren't, shirt. the right. only shirts would have been real shirts. That's right. Yeah. And and they, they're really rare, really rare, because they just didn't come out of clubs at that time. Mm. And then coming forward, you've got... Um, obviously a massive market and wherever you get a, a collectible market you get a massive fake market unfortunately yeah. so the more modern day shirts are under threat from that sort of thing mm. but then we had a another contributor to the book called liam liam ridley and and his knowledge and and um of current spurs shirts was just fr- frightening for me mm. and um so between us we put our heads together and got all the stats together and all the facts together mm. and then obviously darren and neville contributed with the shirts and and pushing us along, really. Um, Darren was very, very good at the inspiration, the driving force behind the book, to be fair to him. And what, there's a big difference between a replica shirt and an actual match shirt, is there? There, there is. There's, um, In the terms of the quality of the garment? 
quality of the garments, certain markings. A lot of the um, shirts are actual um, made-to-measure sizes. Really? Rather than replica. Um, I think um, there could be up to 15, 15 certain um, differentials between a match, uh, match-worn shirt. It's just the quality of the, of the player shirts over a replica. Mm. And people don't realise that. And there are certain clubs, or certain manufacturers produced for certain clubs bespoke shirts for the players wow. a lot of the other clubs you know depending on the size of the manufacturer don't produce um, bespoke shirts mm. but with Spurs case with, with Adidas as with a lot of, sorry with Nike as yeah. in with all their Nike c- clubs at the top level you know the cities etc um, and I think Chelsea Nike I think it's more you know current times there are clear identification um, separations because Going back in time, I mean, we had issues um, or clubs um, needed to call on their their general stock in the in the shops when they'd actually run out of certain kits. I mean, right. nowadays, I'd imagine that the kit rooms are washed with yeah. um, kits. But yeah, um, yeah it's it's a lot easier to identify a match worn shirt nowadays. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, Spurs fans. I imagine, you know, when you think, oh, Spurs fans, you're always saying Spurs fans are like this. Spurs fans are very superstitious. Spurs fans, this. And then what you realise is all fans are probably like it. But I, you have an emo- you definitely have an emotional attachment to the shirt. There's something about the white shirt, obviously, especially, that is none of the other big clubs. I mean, Leeds are the other, the nearest thing to a big club that plays in a white shirt. So Tottenham, I suppose, we, we feel, I feel like we own the white shirt. And the different, because of its simplicity over the years, the different iterations and different variations are very often lovely. Not always, of course. Some of them have been horrible. What's your favourite Spurs shirt, Adam? Um, mine in common with a lot of people going back to that really stripped down um, early 70s home yeah. shirt, plain white, uh, round, simple badge. Simple badge, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the simplicity of what, it's, um, yeah. of what that shirt was about like, really appealed to me. Um, that said, there's some like, modern ones that are... You know, really distinctive, and have got mm. some like really interesting designs. I think of of that era, probably it would be, and I guess this this applies like to quite a few people as well. Is the the nineteen ninety one um, FA Cup final shirt, which like represented, uh, I think Shaky will confirm, like a real kind of like sea change in a way about how modern kits were designed and how modern shirts looked. Okay, so that's kind of reflected. Ninety one, uh, ninety one. Yeah. How but, was that? How was that different? How was that revolutionary? Well, actually, the revolution started in when Admiral came along in the seventies. Oh, everyone, yeah. everyone of a certain age yeah. can remember Admiral yeah. coming along, yeah. and 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 Umbro with the ninety one Cup final kit. Also, there was the fact that they had really long shorts. Yeah, long and baggy shorts, which mm. we'd never seen before. It was the well, first. You've got, you got players like Justin Edinburgh, who yeah. we interviewed for, for the book. He said, "You know, I'm standing alongside Stuart Pearce, and and there he is with his still with his short shorts rolled up. Yeah. And I'm standing there looking like yeah. Stanley Matthews with yeah, mine yeah. rolled down to my knees, that. you know. Because the interesting thing about that was uh, very very unusually that kit was launched in that game as I recall. That they, they hadn't played in that kit all season. They just launched the new kit for the FA Cup final and then carried on playing it in the following season, didn't they? they did. It was the first it wasn't the first time they've done that, Spurs. Right. Um, they did that in 1987 of course. Did they what but, the... um they wore a new kit which was a Hummel what... kit, right? Yeah. They wore the, 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 the famous 85, or the very popular 85 to 87 kit yeah. with, the, with the diagonal pinstripes and the chevrons across the yeah. chest. But then they, for the cup final, they wore the following seasons, the forthcoming right. seasons, shirt. 
which obviously there was a bit of a wardrobe malfunction with that. Yes. But the thing about 1991 was it was a change of manufacturer. Yes. All it was the, a new deal, wasn't it? Yeah. All the thing that went around the whole Hummel deal that yeah. you know dragged Tottenham's yeah. scholars, Tottenham, Can to the you, brink. Really. Uh, I've interviewed lots of people over the years about the. Uh, uh, the wardrobe malfunction in 87. Can you shed any light on what went on there? Do you want me to do that one? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. We got the full story, to be fair. Um, it, it was a, a mix-up. Um, once Spurs had qualified for the final, when they beat Watford in the semi-final, um, Hummel contacted the club. They said, yes, we want to be able to wear our new kit if we can. We've got to win the coin toss first to decide who, who wears. Yeah. So Spurs won the coin toss. So the FA said to them, you can wear your new kit, mm. your new shirt, but you still must wear white shorts because that's what they'd worn for the two seasons prior okay. to that. So okay. they registered all white kit, so they mm. had to wear white. Mm. So therefore, Coventry, there's a myth that hot Coventry was so kind, they said, oh, you wear white shorts and we'll wear blue. Well, it was Coventry that had to change. Right. So they send, Hamill send the shirts, send the shirts to the club. And they sit in Peter Day's office at the time, who's the secretary, and um, then he gets a phone call from the FA or communication from the FA, and they said, um, listen, there might be an issue um, because this is the first time spon- alcoholic sponsorship has appeared in an FA Cup final and it beams around the world and, you know, there might be an issue with the Holston sponsors. Well, as it happened, the youth team were due to play in Germany in May in a tournament, and their their shirts, of course, had no sponsors' logos on them. They weren't allowed to have alcoholic... At the time, they didn't have alcoholic sponsors' logos on them. So they'd sent two sets of new kit for the youth team to go to Germany with. So Peter Day, thinking, I've just had this phone call, what I'll do is I'll send them all off to be embroidered for the cup final, and the youth team will just wear this season's kit in, the, in their tournament. So, of course, then they got mixed up. And, and Johnny Wallace, God bless him... The legendary, the legendary kit man at the club, um, so on Friday was panicking because they'd come back and they were still sitting in Peter Day's office. He's running around trying to get the shirts together and, and he picks up, he checks the number two shirt, it's got a sponsor logo on it, it's got the embroidery. He pulls out a number three because he needs to find a, a long sleeve number three because Mitchell Thomas was the only player who wore long sleeves. Mm. And off, off he goes, taking out all the shirts. And if you look, it was an exact split. You know, six players in the in the, uh, of the outfield yeah. players wore sponsors logos. Sixteen, yeah. and nobody but nobody realised because the way Johnny until Wallace folded the kit the until they took the tracksuits off. Yeah. You know, I spoke to four or five players who were in the in the room yeah. at the time, the dressing room at the, on that day, and even at half time, when the club's commercial manager Mike Rollo's outside sweating cobs, yeah. thinking well, I remember, his, we all remember Mike. <laughs> well, he said at the time, he, his, his heart wanted Spurs to win, yeah. but his commercial head's going, how can I have Richard Goff going up to collect the FA Cup without, without a sponsor's logo on it? You know, so I'm finished if we win. <laughs> that's right. And um, and of course, Hummel noticed it straight away. The Hummel executives in the crowd, and so did and so did Holston. Especially and, um, Holston. And, and of course, the, the, the fallout was that Peter Day sadly left the club, the club wow. secretary, Bloody and Johnny old. Wallace was relegated in his capacity as kit man to the youth team and reserves. For Holston, it was fantastic publicity. As it you, turned out, isn't absolutely. that funny? Yeah. And even to this day, we're still talking about we are. a cup final and the Holston 30, 30 odd years. So Gary Mabbott always says, you know, I can remember the, the next day when, or the, well, the Monday morning when they had, um, you know, the Glen Hoddle shirt with a big arrow pointing at it and one of the rival breweries but I bet he drinks Carlin Black yeah. Label and Gary Mabbett still talks about it now you know that was a good ad yeah
The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. That you also um, you can enlighten us about the strange number five shirt allocation in the eighty-one final. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That was. Um, there's a great feature in the book about Johnny Wallace about yeah. him um, being um, such a, a stalwart of the club, you know, and um, and basically what happened in in um, eighty-one was that Lecoq Sporty, fantastic kits. Um, they're my personal favourites, actually. Me too. Yeah. 81 is my absolute favourite. Well, yeah. mine's a, the centenary season, but okay. either way, because that yeah. was a groundbreaking grand, yeah. kit, but in the 81 final, um, Lecoq Sporty said, let's put on these new numbers. Mm. So they put these felt numbers on the backs of the shirts for the first time. And Sylvie Webb, the laundry lady, launders all the kit after the game, Sunday morning, takes it out the, out of the machine, and the numbers are spoilt. They've all cracked, they've split, they've faded, they're, they're spoilt. So he says, uh, uh, she, she calls in Keith Birkinshaw. Keith Birkinshaw says, shut the, the, the kit room, the, the laundry room down. Don't want you telling anyone this. Calls Lecox Wattie, they're down the next day. And they said, look, just to rectify this for the replay, we'll stitch on the old style numbers. And then they, um, and then Johnny Wallace in his wisdom went, well, they're no good to anyone now, and cut up all the shirts except for three. So there's only three shirts that survived from that game that we know of. He cut, why did he cut them up? Because that's what he used to do. <laughs> don't, worry, don't worry, he didn't go to waste. He cut them up and yeah. he gave them to the apprentices to use to clean in their cleaning duties. Yeah, I love that sort of... Imagine that now, those precious artefacts. Mm, mm. Adam, so what, you, did you, what were you doing during the course of putting this book together? Were you listening to these incredible stories and then committing them to your, to your inimitable Spurs prose style? Uh, yeah, trying to, yeah. It was, it was um, sitting down with, with Shaky and having long, really, really interesting conversations yeah. about like the, you know, the individual shirts themselves and the tiny details, but also more about like, the, the culture that surrounds it as mm. well, because that's I think that the thing that's kind of like really marks it out is that it's not just about the, the stories of the individual shirts themselves, but how important it is to the club, the identification of the club, how important it was to the players as well, mm. what they were wearing, what they looked like, mm. um, and some of the characters who you get involved in that story, like behind the scenes. Shaky mentioned uh, Sylvie Webb, who was basically the ran the laundry, yeah. and and she's an unbelievable character. Um, she's one of those people that they're the unseen, unseen heroes, but they're instrumental into how a professional football club works and functions because the the laundry became the place like where the players would want to go because there'd always be a cup of tea yeah. on the go for yeah. them and they would yeah. talk to Sylvie and yeah. you know share their, their what's going on in their lives and uh, it, so it's just that you get the kind of real sense of like the heartbeat of a club yeah. through what ostensibly seems sort of like pretty basic which is like the you know yeah, the, yeah. The, the wearing and washing of shirts I saw a video this must be something to do with with you guys, I saw a video. I can't remember. You know how you watch videos when you're going through Twitter or whatever. A video comes up, and it was a video of the laundry lady. It must have been her mm. talking about a story about the red socks. Do you know this story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that, was that, did you guys put that video out there? No, it was actually uh, um, Tottenham. We are Tottenham TV. They it's were actually. Bl- oh, they interviewed her. They interviewed her for the fair for play to them because the, she is a great catch and she tells that story brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, obviously the the punchline is in it's the punchline. One of the players was wearing underneath his training socks. He was wearing uh, unissued red socks, and she was fine trying to find out who they were. And it ultimately 
found out who it was. She told him, don't bring them back into my laundry room ever again. all the white shirts yeah. pink, right? Yeah, the, the socks particularly Contaminating pink, yeah. the socks. And uh, she told him, don't you ever bring them back in. And he said, you can't speak to me like that, they're my socks. And she said, well, if you bring them back in, they'll be my socks and they're going in a bin. <laughs> and then, uh, of course, we all know who that person the interviewer was. The says, uh, who was the player? And she said, Soul Campbell. Soul Campbell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was already sabotaging and contaminating us with red while he was still on the inside. He was a double agent all along. <laughs> what's, your, what's your favourite shirt, Darren? 81 Lecoq Sportive. Same as mine. Absolutely. Exactly the same. It's Absolutely. the beautiful graphic simplicity and unique. I, there are hardly any other shirts you can think of like that. One V-neck, very unusual. One line, not two or three, mm. around the V. And then the centrally located mm. simple mm. badge as well. Because after that, for a while, we had a badge that was turned into a, like, a coat of arms and a crest, wasn't it? And I always prefer, we've gone back to it now, mm. the simple, simple cockerel on the ball. Because a badge, of course, is a huge part of the shirt as well, isn't it? Especially a minimal shirt like Tottenham's, which is just white, no stripes, nothing like that. I mean, the badge is a big, big element, isn't it? Well, that's what, that's what, as a fan of a football club, you associate with three things, don't you? Your stadium, yeah. your badge, yeah. and the kit. Yeah. You know, those are things they just don't change or shouldn't yeah. change. Yeah. Unless you're Cardiff City. But they they just don't change. That's what ties you in. So that's yes. what your passion for that yeah. club yeah. is bound by those things. Yeah. And um but the Lecoq Sportif kits as Dar- Darren and you both love as well. And like I said, mine was the later the mm. eighty two, eighty three, because mm. it was so groundbreaking at the time the material, mm. the fabric was so groundbreaking. But that you know, I, I loved Lecoq Sportif kits at that time anyway. And I just remember that when I did the book, I interviewed Robbie Brightwell, who was the head of Lecoq Sportif in the UK at the time. And his, he so, so, talked so glowingly about the relationship Lecoq Sportif had with Spurs. They were their mm. flagship club initially. And, um, and his relationship particularly with Keith Birkinshaw. And, and that material, he knew that material, he wanted to use that material. And like you say, that was groundbreaking. And then the shadow stripe material for the 82-83 centenary season. Mm. And of course, they moved the crest back into the, they changed it, but they moved it back into the centre for 83 to 85. Mm. Mm. And it was just the whole talking to that guy and so switched on, 84 years old, so switched on to the whole thing with Spurs and Lecoq Sportif. And, and I just remember talking to him and the things he was saying about what he was doing with Spurs at the time, you know, putting logos on each sleeve because they didn't have a big marketing budget, but where are people going to see the logos? Yeah. Put them on the side and then most people see the game side on player taking a throw in photograph side on mm. you know we didn't have a big marketing budget so let's put let's just change it they put logos in the base of the numbers all those sort of things were, were new at the time and that was all down to him and then I remember watching a, an, um, an interview with Phil Knight of Nike which was filmed in 1996 and all the things he said in 1996 was what Robbie Brightwell was doing with Lecoq Sportif so he's an innovator absolutely yeah. 15 years before but this deal we've got now with Nike is now they've just recently signed is it six years Something like that. A long deal, isn't it? I, I think it's actually extended to ten over 10 years yeah. now. Yeah, which is extremely unusual, isn't it? Most most big clubs, certainly Tottenham and all the others I can think of, change the technical partner, I believe that's the, 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 the what they call them, every, every two to three years. Or yeah, three. I, I suspect the, the long-term deal was tied into um, financing and securitisation of income for the new stadium. Right. Um, but it, Sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say also, I went into the new shop the other day, which is a, a, an amazing thing, like every other aspect of the new stadium. The, the shop is like quite overwhelming. Mm. And there's a whole a big section of the NFL. And my complete naivety, I was talking to the guy and saying, yeah, I noticed a lot of them are Nike. And he went, 
No, not a lot of them. Nike does the whole NFL. That's the that's the whole thing. And I felt like a right fool. But I wonder <laughs> if there's a connection there as well, because of course Tottenham are very very keen to embrace the NFL. And but they, they, I suppose these are all business matters that are above our pay grade. Well, maybe not yours, Darren. I don't know, but certainly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think with Nike, they're at the front end, front edge of technology. Um, I mean, it's amazing to think that they're now working for, the, for our kits two years in advance. So they already know what our kits are for next season. Yeah. And now starting that. But I, um, I think it's, it's a natural tie-in. I mean, it's a big contract. There's, it's big numbers. Mm. Um, there'll be a lot of incentivization into the contract if Spurs remain in Champions League. Right. Win, win stuff. Um, and um, I think some of the shirts they're producing now are, are really good. Mm. Um, and uh, the nice thing is that... Um, they're going to give us access um, if, in a few years' time, we decide to to update the book and include future years, which is which is quite nice. And I also understand, and I think Darren can back this up. Um, a copy of the book has been sent to Nike in America yeah. for their designers to see, look back at some of the previous Spurs kits uh, and use them as for inspiration. The shirts, as yeah. inspiration, great. Yeah. So. A copy also went out to um, Asia to AIA. Um, they've seen the book, and uh, again, it's, it's such a fantastic history of the club. It just feels definitive. It feels like the definitive work, and it is a. And it, as I say, it's absolutely beautiful. In fact, I hope I don't know when this particular podcast is going out, but I hope it's in advance of Christmas because there's a gift, a Christmas gift for a Spurs fan. I can't think of much better, and it's exclusively available through the club at the moment. Is that right for the first year? Yes. Yeah, so you is, can yeah. get it obviously either until in the, the of, until the end of the season. Okay, till the um, end of the season. So the place available at retail outlets and on the so, online shops. So official Spurs shops, but also online from from Tottenham, which is where you know a majority of Spurs fans will probably buy from. You know. Online. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, as I say, I'm absolutely. I think it's absolutely a beautiful, beautiful thing. Just like the the book, the lane, and um, a must. I would have said for any Spurs fan. So. I would like to thank you all for coming. Thank you very much for, your, for making this beautiful book for us, the Spurs fans, all three of you. Adam, Darren, Shaky. Uh, Merry Christmas to you all. And uh, all that remains for me to say now, of course, is Kevin, you Spurs. And enjoy the book. The Spurs Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.